to his letter after two um, long letters uh, uh, teaching the church what it means to grow in Jesus, giving them really ground-level advice on how to follow Jesus faithfully in a world full of idols and a self-centered world. This is what Peter writes to a collection of churches scattered um, about a few decades after Jesus was resurrected. In 2 Peter 3.18, he writes this, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory now and forever. Amen. Paul's written two letters full of instruction, wisdom, and insight. But unlike some preachers, he knows when things need to wrap up and come to an end. And this is how he leaves these churches, with this calling and this command, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, Robin is being baptized. And baptism is a public declaration that you have made growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ the central commitment of your life. That's what, that's what we're celebrating when we celebrate someone being baptized. That because Jesus has rescued me from sin and death and given me new life in him, I want to proclaim that to everyone around me. And so baptism is this massive act of surrender. By being baptized, we're declaring that we've turned from a lifestyle of sinful self-centeredness to Christ-centeredness and going on that journey of learning exactly what that means. And this means placing our pride and our past and our possessions all at the feet of Jesus and saying, my life is yours. You are my king now. You are my Lord. You are my savior. I want to live for you. Would you show me what that looks like, Jesus? To the church in Colossae, Paul writes these words. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. And so baptism shows other people. It's a a testimony to other people. And it's a reminder to those of us who are already Christians that we have stepped into a new identity and we've stepped into an entirely new story. And living into that new identity and living into that new story happens as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But how, how do we do that, though? How do we actually do that? How do we help Robin grow in the grace and knowledge? How do we help ourselves? How do we encourage and help each other? We all want this, but how do we do it in a way that is, just connects with in very practical steps? So that a year from now, two years from now, ten years from now, the testimony of this community could be, we are learning to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Well, over the past few weeks, I've been leading us through Jesus' great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because I believe all of us have a longing to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. And the most basic easy, straightforward definition of a disciple that I've ever heard is someone who's taking seriously that great command. If you are serious about trying to learn to love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and transfer that love into the neighbors that God has placed around you, you're a disciple. And so each week, we've looked at different spiritual types. Those of us, uh, people who have, as Christians, different root love languages through whom we, or through which we kind of connect to God most readily, most easily. And I think in the process, we've kind of begun to create a common language around what spiritual growth might look like for this church. It's been really encouraging for me as I've been in conversations where 
um, kind of spiritual love languages or types haven't been the topic of conversations, but people already are starting to say things like, yeah, that's a real challenge for me because I'm like a total strength type. Or they'll say like, oh, as a mind type, like this is like really, really exciting for me because, you know, dot, dot, dot. And I think that's great because common languages are important to communities. And it's already very encouraging to me that, what, that, that you guys get it that it's already starting to seep into your consciousness, that you're beginning to realize, yeah, this is the way I primarily connect with God and I can see kind of the advantages and disadvantages of that and that's how I want to grow. There's a lot of richness in these dynamics of heart, soul, mind, and strength and thinking through it as it relates to um, marriages, relationships, small groups, church gathering. Um, but before I talk about, kind of my end goal for this whole series has been, how do we wrap all this stuff up? Love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. We've talked about the types. How do we wrap it up in a plan for discipleship so that when we leave this place, we can say to Robin and to ourselves, here's a plan for our growth. Here's what we can do. And this is exciting. Before I do that, what I did say last week is I wanted to open up a little bit of space for people to maybe ask questions about what we had covered during this series. We've talked through a lot of different things. I've introduced what will um, you know, come to kind of be kind of the discipleship model that I'm working with pastorally. And so I don't know how common this is here, but I wanted to create space just to say, were there questions or maybe observations or as you've kind of been thinking through some of the elements of this or playing it out or discussing it with other people, are there things here that you're kind of wondering about or maybe it was something very specific to a message or maybe it was in a broad sense just kind of the sweeping scope of the series? Are there any kind of questions that are kind of right there that um, you'd like to ask that maybe I could dialogue for a few minutes in front of the community about? I know that's daring to ask people to put their hand up, but you're among friends, it's okay. Anyone? Rob. Yeah. So, I, I don't know, yeah, let's do it right now. Let's unapologetically kind of turn into each other. And I'm just going to ask, ask you to self-identify. Again, there's been no, this is not a test. There's no right or wrong answer. This is just from what we've talked about, um, the one or two, it's probably, for most people I find that it's one. Some people are like, oh, I have a really hard time choosing. Don't, don't sweat it. It's okay. Just land on what's the one predominant way through which you find your faith kind of energized and this is the way I connect to God most readily. Heart types are those who tend to connect to God most readily through community and, and building godly relationships. Kind of community and biblical um, community is just such a conduit of God's mercy and grace and power in their life. How many people here would say, I think that's the predominant way that I experience and connect with God is through Christian community. Just put your hand up really high so we can see it. Okay, so look around. Take little mental snapshots. These are the people that if that for you is a challenging thing, it's a little bit more intuitive for these people. What about soul types? Those who connect to God primarily through times of prayer, worship, maybe quiet 
reflection, but praise. Um, that, that it's in those moments, in those kind of um, spaces that they just encounter God in a way that, just to be honest, they, they isn't as strong as in other dimensions of life. How many of you would say, I'm a soul type? That, that, is, that is me for sure. Put your hand up really high just and look around. Yeah, that's great. I'm very encouraged by the number of soul types in this community, kind of per capita. That's, uh, that tends to be very, very small in a lot of churches, so that, that's very, very exciting. What about mind types, those who say, I connect to God through Scripture, learning biblical worldview. I just, I, as I'm digging into Scripture and engaging Scripture, that's how I am fed and grow. I think we're in the minority. but the, Oh, maybe not. Oh, yes. Okay, there we go. Okay, mind types. And then lastly, strength types. Strength types are those who say, my experience with God is so powerfully mediated by just practically serving and helping other people. I just love to help. And when I can literally use my strength to help people in ways big or small, I just sense God's, um, it's like Eric Little, right? Chariots of Fire, right? Um, you know, like when I serve people, I feel God's pleasure. Like I just, that, that to me energizes my faith. How many of you would say strength type? That's huge for you. Great. And we'll come back to exactly what Rob was saying in a few moments about why that's so important. Because this is why, I mean, this is why the church is so important. This is why community is so important. Because you cannot live and flourish in the Christian journey on your own. We need each other. And we need to humble ourselves before each other and say, this is where I'm stronger. And this is where I'm weaker. And I want you to help me to grow in that area. And the church can be a beautiful uh, incubator and catalyst for a, an entirely different kind of spiritual growth when we stop showing up and saying, well, when everyone else becomes like me, this church will be great. It'll be fine. And when we start showing up and saying, I have an important gift and presence to bring to this community, but I'm just as eager to learn from and with my brothers and sisters who experience things very differently than I do, but I, I very much want to learn from them because I want to, I want to, I want a robust, full, multi-dimensional relationship with Jesus. I don't want to have one rela- one-dimensional relationship with Jesus. I want to learn to love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to carry all of the dimensions of that love into my community and neighborhood and homes and schools and to the ends of the earth. Great. Thank you for that, Rob. That's a great, great starting point. Another question or comment or observation as we've worked through the series? Yes, Carl. Yeah, super important observation. This has all kinds of ramifications for Christian unity. Um, I remember one time I was teaching this to a bunch of uh, university students who were in, uh, Christian university students in a dorm. And that was their observation. They just said, wow, it, it, was, a, it was a huge switch when we changed from trying to compete with one another or trying to figure out how to fix or change each other and instead say, you know what? The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. We need each other, and God has placed everybody here, I believe, in this church for such a time as this. And when we come with a spirit of humility, of excitement over what God is doing in, in our life, and, and not apologizing for 
our kind of spiritual love language, but instead going beyond that and saying, I love what God is doing, but God could do even more if there was a spirit of openness and if we were nourishing and encouraging one another to grow in our relationship with God, with God and then sharing all that together. That, that, then Christian community comes, becomes something very, very exciting and life-giving. It, it's, um, I've experienced it in, in different contexts and it, it's just, it's, it's electrifying. It's, it, it changes the atmosphere, whether people are getting together for coffee or coming to church on a Sunday or being the church through the week as they're serving in missions together. It's, it's different and it's beautiful, it's powerful. Maybe one more comment or observation. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, Tracy. Yep. Yeah, so good. Yeah, if, um, I, I should be repeating some of this back. I realize it's not going to be recorded uh, on the podcast or, or the, the sermon. But um, uh, yeah, Tracy was saying that, um, sorry? Tanya. Tanya. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Tanya. <laughs> Tanya was saying that it's just so important for her as a soul type to be grounded in prayer before she moves into the other types and for us to make sure that our community is grounded first and foremost in cultivating a relationship with Jesus, and I, I just couldn't uh, ag- agree more. And I think that um, that's something that I would encourage people, is that sometimes, um, you know, your, your root kind of spiritual love language, I think is a gift from God. And it's not a, about apologizing for that or trying to graduate beyond it. That will always be, in most cases, the starting point for you, and to start there. But it just shouldn't be the ending point. We should be growing and flourishing in other ways. One of the things that it also helps me to think through that I wanted to mention is, expectations around church and around all the different facets of Christian community. Do you guys ever notice that sometimes you come and go from church and you're like, eh, that was okay. And sometimes you come and go and you're like, that was amazing. That was like, church should be like that every week. And sometimes you go and you're like, I hope church is never like that again. That was a terrible Sunday. <laughs> I was, ter- was just not, not good. Or maybe that was in the context of a small group. Or maybe it was in the context of a ladies' Bible study. Or some other sense of Christian community. And I think part of the reason for that is, is that as we grow and mature in our faith, we recognize that in all these different elements, sometimes we just kind of bounce in and out of different emphases. Right? Maybe there's a Sunday that leans a little bit more in a soul direction. If you're a soul type, of course that's going to feel like this is the wheelhouse. We should be doing this every week. And for other types, it's going to be like, oh, it's okay. And so I usually try and help people to kind of recalibrate their expectations for what it's going to feel like to grow in these areas by talking about a principle that I call one-to-one. One time out of four is going to seem amazing of whatever you're doing. One time out of four is going to be amazing because it's probably going to be according to your type. Two of them are going to be Good, solid. Um, And one's going to be like really challenging maybe for you or maybe just really just not that helpful or on the surface level, pleasurable, fun, engaging. 
And when you go through that movement of one's awesome, two are okay, one was kind of like, I hope it doesn't happen again, that is normative for Christian community and for Christian growth. That's normative for small groups. That's normative for Sunday mornings. That's normative for, you know, um, maybe date night with your spouses. That's normative for connecting with your friends. No one gets to stay at the top of the Mount of Transfiguration and constantly be experiencing these spiritual highs. God leads us into different arenas where we're challenged to grow in new ways in him. So how do we put all this together for a plan for daily discipleship? How do we work through these types? Well, here is what I am encouraging you guys to do, at least for the summer, for July and for August. What I would like you to do is to set a monthly goal in each area, heart, soul, mind, and strength, set a goal for the month. Might be something very big, might be something very small. I encourage you to lean towards something small in areas that you're not particularly strong in. Then you're gonna share your plan with at least one other person for accountability, support, just encouragement. And then you're gonna share what you're learning with other people as you pursue these goals. So in the area of heart, you're going to be setting a goal. How could I enrich or develop better Christian community? How could I help? What, what would be one thing that I could do to build godlier relationships in my life? In the area of soul, how could I learn to love God and spend um, more quality time with him in prayer, praise, worship? In the area of mind, what are ways that I could love God by engaging scripture um, seriously and energetically and strength? How can I grow in my love for God by practically serving fill in the blank, someone or a group of people that I know? So really you're going to be setting four goals, one that builds off of your natural strength, but three that don't, and probably one that's incredibly difficult for you. Not to write it down on paper and say, for sure I'm going to do that, but when it comes to execution, there's going to be one or two that for you will be like, uh, yeah, I didn't get to that this month. You watch how challenging this is to execute loving God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Here's what I don't want you to do, though. I don't want you to approach these things as kind of like a list of shoulds. Here's like more things that you should do in July. I want you to think of these things as like a holy experiment. Just have fun with them. Go with, uh, you know, start with kind of holy curiosity and a passion to say, you know what? what would be something cool that I could do this month to grow in terms of my relationships with with other Christians, to to develop godlier relationships? I think it's more challenging to approach these things as kind of holy experiments and not as religious obligations. These aren't about impressing God. These aren't about impressing me. It's not about impressing other people in the community. This is about you saying, I want to start the journey that's going to go for the rest of my life of learning to love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then bringing that into my relationship with others. And so you don't have to change the world in one month and you don't have to drive right, well, I know I should be praying every day, so I'll just pray every day. That's my soul thing. I should read the Bible every day. Okay, I'll start from a place that says, God, where, where, what are you bubbling up in me? What's, where's, where's a place of passion that I could connect to? Yes, you should be engaging scripture every day, but what would be a fun, interesting way for you that you're like, for July, I could do that. So here would be an example of a plan that you could put together for July. For heart, I'm gonna encourage other people every day. I'm gonna catch people being good. 
And when I catch them, I'm going to say, I noticed that. That was really awesome. I'm glad you did that. That made a big difference in my life. That made a big difference in this person's life. That was a very small thing, but I want you to know I appreciate you in that. That could be your heart goal. Hugely shaping and significant. You could say, I'm going to pray through the Lord's Prayer every day. Prayer is a struggle for me. I don't really know how to structure my prayer time, so I'm going to use the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to pray it every day. And one or two of the lines that stick out to me, maybe it's deliver us from evil, maybe it's hallowed be your name, maybe my Father who's in heaven. I'm just going to use that and stop and pause there and pray around themes in there. When I, when I stop at deliver us from evil, I'm going to pray for those who are going through suffering and hardship that are known to me. And I'm just going to pray for them for five minutes. But every day I'm going to pray through the Lord's Prayer and use that as my template just for July and kind of see what God does there. For mine, I'm going to read and study the Bible every day, maybe using a devotional like Every Day with Jesus. It's one of my favorite ones out of the UK. I used to do that all the time when I was a teenager and young adult. And that's, you know, that would be a totally valid and great uh, mind challenge. And then strength, maybe you say, I'm going to volunteer for children's ministry one Sunday in July. That's not a normal volunteer thing for me, but I know how helpful and what a blessing that would be to the nursery volunteers and, and Sunday school teachers to just oversee the video that happens upstairs. So I'm just going to volunteer for one of the Sundays in July. And that could be your plan. And then you're going to share that plan with another person, not as a bragging right or anything like that, just to say, this is what I'm going to be trying to focus on for the next 30 days, for the month of July. And then you're going to share what you're learning with other people. Both evangelism and discipleship, when you're discipling other people, all those are, are sharing with other people what God is doing in your life. That's all it is. So as you're doing those things, in your coffee conversations, in your Bible studies, in your hikes, in your getting together, in your um, connecting at the beach, you're just saying, hey, you know what? I tried this thing this month and like it was really tough, but also really rich and this is really neat. And one of the things that I did is I decided on doing this as a serve and like God totally humbled me through that process because of X, Y, and Z. When we're just sharing with each other what we're doing coming out of a pursuit of Jesus, we're discipling each other. And that creates a discipleship culture. That creates this electrifying culture where it's not about trying to be more spiritual than the, other, than the other person, but it is about spurring one another on to love and good deeds. It is about saying, let's share the stories of what God is doing, not because of how great we are, but because of how great he is. And we're simply trying to be faithful to that task. What could God do with a church of 100 people? If even just for the month of July, we all set a goal, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and pursued it seriously, what could God do with that? What are all the nooks and crannies within this community that God could reach and touch? In some ways, very small but significant. In other ways, massive and transformative. If everybody in this room said, just for July, I'm going I'm to give this a go. No one here knows that. We don't know that. But I hope with me, you'd say, I'd be interested in finding out. I'd like, to, I'd like to find out what would happen. I'd love to see the fruit of what would happen if we were all challenging ourselves to grow deeper into, into our love language and then growing beyond it and learning to love God in, in different ways. But I cannot make you do this. I won't make you do this. Um, this has to come from within you. It has to come from a, 
a hunger in you to grow deeper into Jesus' love and his truth and his grace. It has to come from a holy discontent with your Christian life as is. And it has to come from a place where you say, I can't see 10 miles down the road, but I can see the next step and I want to take the next step. I don't want to just stay where I am. I want to move forward. Maybe I'm even a little scared to do that, but I'm trusting that moving, in moving forward, I'm going to discover what Robin did, that God's plans for me are good, and that the longer I stay where I am, it's just foolishness. I'm just hurting myself. So for my part, this is what I plan to do, at least over the summer. On the first Sunday of the month, our communion and community Sundays, I'm going to share my heart, soul, mind, strength, growth plan with you guys. And that's not going to be about me bragging and saying, oh, look at all the stuff that I'm doing, because you might be surprised at how not bragworthy some of my goals will be. Um, but I'm sharing it because I think accountability is good. I think it's important for you guys to know that um, I'm pursuing this in my own life. This isn't just coming from the pulpit, so to speak, and then go forth and you guys do it and I'll live my own life. This has become a core part of what it means for me to grow as a disciple. And I want to share it because I think it's a good reminder that growing up in Christ, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that doesn't just happen. It's not, it's not, a, it's not just a, by, it's not a byproduct that just happens as you're living your own life. You have to put, in some sense, blood, sweat, and tears into it. We are saved by grace. We only become Christians because of God's grace. But to grow in Christ does demand our participation. And I need to be reminded of that I think probably we all do consistently. So I'm going to be sharing uh, next week what my plan is for the month. And maybe as I at least share that over the summer, but I'm probably more thinking I'll do that for the, at least the first year here. Maybe that'll spark some interest in you. And uh, maybe for some of you who, who, for whom this is challenging, like goal setting and spiritual stuff, that seems kind of like against the grain. Um, maybe as you see the fruit of it be coming out of my life, out of other people's lives, that'll embolden you with the faith to move forward in it too. Lastly, let me just share with you what will happen if you do this. Because I think the scripture speaks pretty clearly. Something definitive will happen if you do this. You will grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You will grow. You will absolutely grow. You will never be a bored Christian. You will never be a disengaged Christian. You'll be making progress in your spiritual life, and you will begin to experience in increasing measure the abundant life that Jesus talked about. Life with fullness and overflowing with goodness. And you will grow in grace. You are going to grow into becoming a more gracious person because you are becoming more like Jesus. You won't be operating and doing these things out of an anxiety of, oh, do I need to do these things to impress these people or impress God or make God love me or prove to... It's not about that. It's about saying, I am accepted. God's grace has been lavished on me. So now, in, empowered by that grace, I'm going to learn to love God better. I, I want to learn to love other people better. Because the deeper I go into God, the more I see a God of love. And that's rubbing off on me. And my whole disposition begins to change in ways big and small and becoming more gracious. You will grow in knowledge. You are going to be learning things about God, yourself, other people, your particular calling in the world and at your stage of life right now. More and more, those things are going to become more and more clear to you. And that's an exciting thing. But your knowledge isn't just going to be multifaceted because it's going to be informed by a holistic encounter with God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And 
you're going to become, I believe, over time, a very wise person and a spiritually vibrant person. As you go into Jesus, the scriptures say, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And lastly, you are going to experience Jesus both as Lord and Savior. You're going to encounter Jesus not just as Savior, the one who saves you from the penalty and power of sin and death, but saves you into a new kind of life under his lordship. Jesus will become your new master and commander. You will, have, you will experience a Copernican revolution in your spiritual life. You are, not, you are no longer the center of the universe. Jesus is the center. And around him, your life will find its orbit. And as you learn to obey him as your new master and commander, ironically, his mastery and his commands don't suppress and oppress you. You will find yourself walking with a greater sense of purpose, a greater sense of self-knowledge, a greater sense of God revelation, a greater sense of vocational calling in this world. As you trust and obey him, you will find a freedom that you could never access when you were trying to secure your own freedom and trying to live life according to your own terms. And lastly, you will bring him glory now and forever. Everybody in this room was made to give glory to something. Everybody was made to glorify something. The Hebrew word glory is the word kavod, and it means weight. When it talks about the glory of God, what we're talking about is God's weight. God has a significance. God is denser than anything else. He matters more. He's um, um, transcendently significant. He's ontologically, meaning in the scope of all that is, he's ontologically superior in his glory, in his weightiness. And you, human beings, we constantly give weight to things. We're constantly in the process of giving significance to things. When we give weight to, to God, when we give weight to the one who is worthy of that glory, what you will find is that your life will become weightier as well. You know people who go through life and, the, and, this, and, and their life, if you were to talk about it as a, as a weight, would be paper thin because they don't glory in the right things. When you glory in God, as you're learning to do that, your own life takes on significance. You walk through your world differently. You walk into your school, into your part-time job, into, into your home, into your marriage, into your relationships, into the city of Nelson, into the ends of the earth. You walk into it differently because in glorying in God, God has given your life a weight and a significance and a purpose. Your life becomes dense with the glory of God. I want that for my life. I want that for your life. I want that for our life together. But I want you to remember something that we talked about and Grace nailed that first Sunday when we studied the passage where Jesus, where the scribe comes to Jesus in Mark 12 and says, of, um, of all the commands, which is the greatest? Which has the most kavod? Which is the heaviest? All the commands are from God. They're all good. Which is the densest though? And Jesus says, that's a great question. What's in the law? How do you read it? And the scribe says, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbors yourself. And Jesus says to him, you have answered wisely. And it says, in seeing that he had answered wisely, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And I asked you guys, I said, 
why does Jesus say that? You're not far. You're close. You're really close. I'm encouraged that you're so close. And Grace said, because the next step is whether or not he's going to do it. Whether or not he's going to make that part of his DNA. Not just an idea. Oh, I passed the religious teacher test. I passed Sunday school test. Yay. Jesus is saying, are you going to do that though? Are you going to go on a lifelong adventure of loving God, heart, soul, mind, and strength and then carrying that love into your relationships? That's a good question to plant before not just Robin this morning, but all of us. Are we going to do this? To simply know that we should be living this way puts us close to God's kingdom, but to enter into that rule and reign means to step into it, to begin practicing this kingdom way of living under the authority and the commands of Jesus. If you would like help in coming up with a heart, soul, mind, and strength plan for yourself, this Tuesday at 7.30 here, I'll just be doing a really easy workshop where we'll just be, I'll be sharing some ideas and getting to know you and your story a little bit and then just saying, here's what maybe July could look like for you. So if you're like, I'd like to do this, but I'm really not that creative or I can't think outside of the box or I don't really know where to start, come here Tuesday night, 7.30. If there's a handful of us, that's great. If lots of people come, that's fine. But I want this to be a space that I want to carve out to say, I'm serious, Jeff. I want to set some goals for myself, but maybe I can come up with two of them, but I don't really know these areas what I could do that would be challenging and helpful for me. Please come out and, um, and, and we'll work together in coming up with something for you. So may we grow to become a church who doesn't just know this great command, that doesn't just know this great priority, that doesn't just know that we should be growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. May we be one who are, who's training ourselves to live this new life in Christ. Under the power of his spirit, under the authority of his word, may we become a church who is growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And as we do, may we bring him glory now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you, but our love is stunted and it's small and it's imperfect and it's incomplete. Would you teach us to love you more faithfully, more truly? To love you with all of our hearts and all of our soul and all of our minds and all of our strength. And to carry that love to those who don't even know that that kind of love is possible. Who are, who are living under the illusion that transformative love from a father who loves them is just doesn't exist. It's off the radar, God. Teach us to be instruments of your peace, God. Teach us to glory in you so that our lives take on a different kind of weight and significance and that people find you and are baptized into you and into a community that loves them and wants to help them go on this journey. In Jesus' name, amen.